News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. The impact of the government's five-year policy for rural Ireland will be debated in the Dáil this afternoon. So does the future look bright or is, in fact, rural Ireland in decline, as we often hear? I'm joined now by independent TD for us, Common Galway, Michael Fitzmaurice, who is currently rallying uh, and looking for a possible new rural party, a political party about rural Ireland, and Dan O'Brien, economist. Dan, I might come to you first. Um, you did a really interesting article recently where you said, all you need to do is get to get taxpayers' money is to declare a crisis. And you says that's what rural Ireland is doing, more or less. Uh, there's no evidence to support its in decline at all. Yeah, well, it's one of those things, I suppose, that many countries have their national myths. And one of ours is that rural Ireland is in decline. Whereas when you actually look at all of the census figures and all of the available data that we spend tens of millions of euro collecting, uh, we find that certainly compared to other countries, Ireland's rural life remains much more vibrant. We're still one of the most rural countries in Europe. Uh, our rural population is is growing, whereas in most countries in Europe, uh, population is stagnant or in decline now. So, uh, you know, many, many measures uh, show that rural Ireland is, is really doing well uh, and particularly compared to other rural parts of Europe. OK, Michael, to you now. Rural Ireland is doing very well. You must be delighted. Well, first of all, um, not everything is doom and gloom. Um, and... I do agree with Dan that the population has increased. But it's not about, you know, in my opinion, it's the best place you can live in the world. I'm from there. I live there. But there are obstacles. And at the moment, um, I think the things that need addressing in the five-year plan, and let's talk about the five-year plan, we need the broadband rolled out rapidly because it's dragging on and dragging on. In the agricultural sector, Kira, we have problems where, there is different. There is basically an uncertain future, where under climate measures, and under different mixed messages coming from government, be it the Greens, one day Fianna Fáil, the next day the Taoiseach, the next day, you don't know where you're going. Also, um, in the line of transportation. Let me bring Dan back in. Dan, there are issues with amenities in terms of infrastructure, like broadband and public transport. Are rural communities right to be annoyed about that? I think everyone has the right to look for the best for their own area, be it rural, urban, whatever. And I wouldn't dispute anything that the deputy has said in terms of uh, in, ter- in, in that regard. Uh, but I would also highlight, Kira, because we don't hear it, that deprivation by any measure you want to look at or that our statisticians look at is much higher in urban areas than rural areas. And we, we hear, hear very little about that. You're, you're almost 50% more likely to be suffering from various forms of deprivation if you live in a uh, an urban setting than you are in a rural setting. Uh, and we see also in terms of housing, um, you know, cost of housing is so much higher in rural, in urban areas. Uh, the likelihood that you own your own home in Roscommon, half of people own, half of households own their own home without any debt. Whereas in Dublin, that's it's only one in four. Michael, you can't really argue with those statistics. Home ownership, no debt, deprivation far, far worse in urban areas. Rural Ireland, by those measures, is doing better than our cities. Well, first of all, um, in relation to deprivation, there is deprivation in all parts of the country. Let no one say that it's uh, just alone in the city. Those stats that Dan just mentioned say you're more likely to experience deprivation in urban areas. We would see an awful lot of deprivation that no one would know about. Um, and we deal with the day in, day out, and so do councillors. On top of that, Dan is correct. Yeah, a house is dearer in the city. Whereas the person living in the rural area 
pays a carbon tax day in, day out to even go to work. So you must realise that with pluses, come some minuses okay. as well. Okay, Michael, can I ask you, I know you're floating and discussing the idea of a rural party to support rural issues. Is, is it because rural communities feel put upon by the so-called green agenda? Well, there's a rea- reality here at the moment, Kira, in the agricultural sector will take it, for example. Um, you, are, you have covered it on your programme, uh, the likes of the nature restoration law, that there would be parts of the country that, you know, the farming communities are fearful that they wouldn't be able to continue their way of life. And and that reared families and it built communities. There is also in the agricultural sector, be it in the dairy or be it in the beef sector, this not knowing and and not knowing is worse than a good decision or a bad decision. If you don't know your path going forward, then you're in serious trouble. Dan, can I ask you about that idea of a rural party? Um, do you think there's any any truth in the fact that rural communities, that they are at odds with, with the Greens? Well, I'll be honest, I'm not an expert in, in agricultural economics, but I, I have yet to see convincing evidence that for us to reduce our uh, national herd uh, is going to make the world a uh, less warm place because one has to assume that somebody else is going to produce mm. that, uh, that, that, that that dairy and meat. Uh, and it may be in a place where environmental standards are lower, therefore actually increasing the uh, impact on climate change. I've seen that argument coming out of farming organisations. And I know you're not an agri-economist, but potentially if we do do that and overall global emi- emissions rise, uh, are we shooting ourselves in the foot? Do you have a view? Well, it, it, certainly if, if it could be established. Um, and, and, and as I say, as I say, I haven't seen it, so maybe it exists, and I simply haven't seen it, and I stand to, to be corrected immediately if that's the case. But if one assumes that if we simply stop producing global the meat and dairy that we specialize in for global markets, that somebody else is going to produce it, question then becomes: Are the people who take over the production going to do so at a less in a less environmentally friendly way? Uh, and, and that just simply makes no sense for the Irish economy, for rural Ireland, or for climate change. Michael, I assume that's music to your ears. In fairness to Dan, I agree with him one hundred percent. There's a reality here. And I think it's time that people wake up and smell the roses. But um, there are, say, South American countries, um, along with Brazil, it's forecast that by 2030, the increase in stock numbers will be something like 20 million. That's three times more than our total herd in this country. And we're talking about getting rid of 200,000 in this country. And like this debate has gone on here about agriculture in Ireland. And yes... We export 90% of our product, but it's one of the best products that's recognised in the world. And I think that we should be encouraging our farmers, not leaving them in a quagmire. Gentlemen, thank you both very much for speaking to us this morning on all of that. That is Michael Fitzmaurice, Independent TD for us, Common Galway, and Dan O'Brien, Economist. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.